I'm Michael Sears at the Stockdale Center for Ethical Leadership at the United States Naval Academy. We're continuing with the next installment, looking at the new NE203 course at the Naval Academy. I'm joined once again by my guest, Professor Marcus Tiedahl. Ethics and moral reasoning for the Naval leader for sophomores. We call them youngsters here at Navy. Marcus, last time we spoke about moral perception. This time, we moved to moral deliberation. Can you tell us a little bit about moral deliberation? Yeah, that's a great question, uh, Michael, and thanks for having having me back. Um, moral deliberation is a process that that we all use, uh, whether we know it or not, for for making moral decisions. Uh, we deliberate about things that that are that aren't moral, right? We deliberate about uh, where to go to uh, college or, or or where to go to dinner tonight. Um, but sometimes there are cases that are that are deeply, deeply morally loaded, and uh, and moral deliberation is the framework by which we make those decisions. In the class, we distinguish between what we call tests of integrity, which are cases in which uh, it's obvious what the right thing to do is, and you just have to have the ability to do it. Um, there are reasons, personal reasons maybe that speak against it. And what you might think of as more genuine moral dilemmas, cases in which there are moral reasons that either speak for or speak against two different courses of action. You can't do them both. And so how do you systematically figure out what the right thing to do is? That's what moral deliberation is. How is moral deliberation taught at a typical university ethics course? Yeah, that's an interesting question, uh, and and I think obviously there's great variety there, and 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 there's there's great uh, di- differentiation. But there's a popular show uh, on now called The Good Place. You can see it on Netflix. I do recommend it. It's a it's an interesting show. Um, it has one of the characters is a uh, professor of moral philosophy, and in one of the episodes uh, in the third season, he's giving a lecture, and he says, "Over the last you know two thousand five hundred years, Western philosophers have formed three main ideas of how to live an ethical life." He says, first, there's virtue ethics, and uh, Aristotle is generally taken to be the canonical source here." And Aristotle believed that there were certain virtues of mind and character, like courage or generosity, and you should try to develop yourself in accordance with those virtues. Second, there's consequentialism. Uh, The basis for judgment about whether something is right or wrong stems from the consequences of that action. How much utility or good did it accomplish versus how much pain or bad uh, did it accomplish? And John Stuart Mill is often taken to be one paradigm example of a consequentialist. And finally, there's deontology, uh, stemming from the Greek words for study and for duties. And deontology is the school thought that there are strict rules and duties that everyone must adhere to in a functioning society. Being ethical is identifying and obeying those duties, following those rules. And so in a typical uh, course, although there are obviously complexities and people look at different things, at some point, they focus on those three frameworks. And they probably read some of the classics from each one. They talk about what those frameworks say is good. It's really about understanding the foundations of what makes an action good uh, or what makes a person a good person. And then they build, if they consider moral deliberation, they build it out from there, right? How would a virtue ethicist deliberate? How would a consequentialist deliberate? How would deontologists deliberate? And, uh, and what are the strengths and limitations of each of those kind of frameworks? Now, that's the classic way you teach moral deliberation in a course. How do we teach it here? Yeah, so that's a great question. And 
our courses have always been at least slightly different. Um, they're at least slightly different because they are focused on the practical more often. So we have lots of case studies and they're focused on the military. As I've heard many people say, you know, we're the only institution that hires each one of our graduates. And so we've always had a focus a little bit more on the practical, on deliberation as opposed to the foundations of morality, uh, and on cases. But we've traditionally used that kind of framework to, you know, have a, a little bit of time to talk about Mill and what he says about are, are the foundations and deliberate and, and Kant and Aristotle. And the limitation there is, is as you quickly realize, or I think as most people quickly realize, even if one's right about the foundations as a practical matter, you often find yourself reasoning about each one of those aspects, right? Consequences do matter, at, at least sometimes, if not a great deal of the time. Uh, duties and, and, and the rules matter at least a great deal of the time, and character matters as well. In the episode of The Good Place, where they lay out those, those three frameworks, they actually call back to specific instances of, in the episode, of, of people in the show living up to each one of those ideals. And, and that's what you find pretty quickly anywhere, that they all have limitations, and you might be a proponent of one. But as a practical matter, you often need a blend of them. And, and, we, and we don't talk as much in a traditional philosophy class be, because it's about the foundations, because it's about understanding, about, about that blending, about how to blend those. And so what we've done in this new version of our moral reasoning course is provided them with, a, with what we call a roadmap, with a framework that says, here are some steps to go through, to think about, and some questions to ask. It's not intended to provide one answer the way, let's say, uh, a framework in an engineering course might do, right, uh, a flow chart. But it is meant to kind of make sure, building off moral perception, that they consider at least all these different aspects. And the framework goes through four steps of roadmap. We start off by considering constraints, by considering rights, respect, justice, tying to that deontological framework, right? And, and those deontological reasons uh, that might speak to us. We then look at consequences and what will happen based on a particular course of action. What are the short-term, what are the long-term consequences? What are the consequences of eroding um, rules of thumb that people might follow? What's the consequences on all of those actions? And then we move on to two other areas. The first is special obligations, which we haven't talked about yet. That's really important in the military because there are lots of duties everybody has just in virtue of being human, but there are other duties that we have in virtue of our past promises, in virtue of uh, our past actions and in virtue of the oaths that we take. And obviously in the military, we talk a lot about the oath of office that our students take and that the enlisted members take and why those are significant and how they change the moral landscape and how they don't change the moral landscape. You can't be duty bound by a promise to do something immoral. So it's, it can't give you a duty in any way to follow uh, an illegal order, for example. And then we end with character. What kind of person do we want to be? Because that will give our students as well different kinds of responsibilities to be the type of person that they want to live up to. But that's got to be in line with rights, consequences, and their oaths. And so that's the framework that we give them for thinking better, for reasoning better about moral uh, impacts now in this new version of ethics and moral reason for the naval leader.
So what motivated that change? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Michael. Um, what motivated the change primarily was an understanding that what we want our students to be is better moral reasoners. We want our students to think more systematically and clearly about these things and to try to capture all of those salient features in moral perception. This is not meant to be foundationally a course in philosophy where our students have a deep appreciation and understanding of Kant, Mill, and Aristotle and other thinkers like Confucius, like Maimonides, who are in the class. Those are meant to help our students see and develop their reasoning better. But that's the end that we want to be able to be better at. And we find that focusing on deliberation specifically, rather than foundational questions, we hope will make them better moral reasoners in a job that requires tough moral decisions on a frequent basis. And has that been successful? Yeah, that, that's a great question. And the proof is ultimately in the, in the pudding and how they, how they act on active duty. We certainly hope so. We certainly have seen some improvements in the way that they discuss things in class and after. It, at the very least, it helps them understand that we don't really care what Kant would say about a certain situation or what Aristotle or what Mill would say, which is a common pitfall in, in this course and in other university courses like it. You know, you see the kind of caricature student essay, Kant would say, you know, don't do this, Mill would say, do it, etc. What we want them to do is to, to be able to see the good moral reasons for each course of actions in a genuine moral dilemma and then be able to work through those. And so has it been successful? Their writing has certainly improved some. Uh, we need to be able to see that continue uh, over, over the course of the lifetime of this course. We have seen some improvements, certainly in the way they talk about these things. It does allow as well for greater export to other places. So for example, uh, the Stockdale Center has lots of great initiatives to get this kind of language and framework into other places on the yard, into, into coaches, into other academic classrooms. And I think if we were still based on you know, Aristotle, Kant, and Mill, that would be much more difficult. This framework has also been exported to the new Navy Community College, where enlisted people are now being instructed through moral reasoning in the same steps. And so, so in some ways, it's already been hugely successful in that we've been able to export this framework and this way of thinking, and, and it'll influence and, and touch the students in lots of ways other than just our course. But ultimately the success is if the students are better moral reasoners on active duty. And, and for that, we just have to wait. And I certainly hope so, but, but we'll have to see. Marcus, last time when we were talking about uh, moral perception, you identified a couple of military cases that are germane in that area. Do you have cases, uh, military cases, that you'll be working on and analyzing for moral deliberation. Oh yes, certainly. We have we have lots of, of those military cases. We start off actually the moral deliberation with the really interesting and, and problematic case that isn't a moral dilemma but ties back to moral perception uh, about the way that Japanese soldiers were treated in in World War II and the way that the idea of of war trophies of taking trophies off the the dead of of our enemies. And we use that to talk a little bit about human dignity and, and what to do there. We've got another case there uh, about 
um, working with partner forces and the use of, of medical resources and um, trying to get people to be able to act on their own, but still caring for them as, as human beings. Um, we've seen those cases on active duty recently. It's, it's really important and useful, I think. We've got cases about the keeping of records and, and, the, and the way that records are sometimes kept, especially maintenance records. We've got, obviously, we talk about the use of the atomic weapons in World War II. We talk about the use of, of torture in the War on Terror. And we've got a series of cases talking about the limits of loyalty. We talk about um, Captain Rockwood, who is someone in Haiti who disobeyed orders in order to help uh, prisoners in that area and the issues with that. We talk about um, the recent case on the USS Teddy Roosevelt uh, about the captain going outside of the chain of command to, with his concerns about the COVID protocols and, and whether or not that was appropriate. And then lastly, we've got a really interesting case about a, a platoon commander and how he cleared streets in Fallujah and the way he considered the dignity and, and respect of both his, his people and the, the non-combatants working in the area and the, and the way that his superiors viewed those actions. And so that that's another really interesting case. We have uh, we have a host of them in this section. I'll, I'll just mention one more briefly um, about leave no one behind, uh, about a rescue mission in in very uh, rough seas and and rough conditions for for sending off aircraft off an aircraft carrier, whether or not to send another round of rescue ships after the first one has had difficulties. So there's a host of cases built on real world uh, scenarios that are in this section that we ask our students to go through and think about and deliberate about and think a little bit more about that process and, and how to make that decision. Professor Marcus Seidel, thanks for joining us with uh, Moral Deliberation as we continue our investigation on this new NE203 course. Thanks a lot. Thank you for having me.